What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Gravity Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Chris. Thank you for choosing to tune in today. Hey, folks, I'm excited about us continuing this conversation. How do we stay grounded in a world full of noise and chaos? What are your foundations? What are the things that keep you from getting carried away? And that's our goal here on the podcast is to bring guests and topics to you that's going to help you stay grounded, help you get through all that noise and chaos. Today's guest, I'm excited for him to be on the show. I had the opportunity about a year and a half ago to interview him for a Police One magazine article. His name is Tom Spooner. Uh, had over 20 years in the U.S. Army, including in uh, Special Operations Delta Force. And post-military, he has started uh, with, with some other co-owners an organization called Warrior's Heart. You've heard me, you've either heard me talk about them before, or you've seen me wear the hat of Warrior's Heart. So I learned about this during that first interview about the amazing healing power going on at Warrior's Heart, an inpatient uh, recovery center for both alcohol dependency and then either TBI or post-traumatic stress injuries. Uh, they're, they're just doing some great things. It's first responder, warrior, uh, military, active duty, or veteran only. There's no civilians in there unless you fall within one of those job categories, and they're just doing some remarkable work. But before we get into that, folks, I want to talk again about 484 Hero and their event coming up here on January 8th, Coffee with Dan. 484 Hero was started by a friend of mine, Sierra, and she lost her husband, Daniel McCartney, when he died in the line of duty as a police officer in Pierce County, Washington. And then she, as a way of remembering his legacy, uh, started buying coffee at a local coffee stand on January 8th for, co- for, for police officers. And that has grown to this nationwide event now called Coffee with Dan, happening this January 8th in locations around the country. Uh, check out their website, 484hero.com. Uh, if you're a law enforcement officer, uh, maybe there's a coffee shop in your area. Here in my area, Benton, Franklin, Walla Walla, counties, Pierce County, uh, I'm forgetting some, Kootenai County, uh, Spokane County. All these places are places where if you're a law enforcement officer on January 8th, you can go get a free cup of coffee. Check them out, 484hero.com to find out where you can go to do that. And with that, let's get into this interview with Tom. Tom Spooner, welcome to the Gravity Podcast. Thanks for having me, Chris. Hey, I really appreciate it. This is the second time that I've reached out and that you've been willing to chat with me. And I just really value people's time uh, and and experience. So thank you for the Police One article a year and a half ago. And then thank you for being on today's show. You're absolutely welcome. And thanks for having me, Chris. Hey, in my intro, I already introduced you. But if you don't mind just introducing yourself to the listeners. Yeah, my name is Tom Spooner. I am... Uh, one of the co-founders and president of Warrior's Heart. I love it. You spend a little time in the military and you have a family, right? I do. I like I it. All Thanks. All right. Uh, well, what what started, what what brought you to that, that partnership at Warrior's Heart? The partnership at Warrior's Heart. What got you involved? What caused you to be part of... Of so the whole story, I'll just go through the whole yeah, you, we got you, you, right. You can start wherever you want, Tom. Yeah, so, um, so to get to Warrior's Heart, uh, uh, it's my military career, but also my military career was uh, I got sober back in uh, 92 uh, wow. after two years in the army. So, um, so I have always had this uh passion, uh, for sobriety and for helping out you know, folks get there uh, that were as hopeless as I was, you know, super high functioning, you know, professional life. I was killing it, uh, but personal life, killing it <laughs> the, the other way. Yeah. Um, so, so once I got sober, you know, and uh, I was just very passionate about that, that carried throughout my military career. Uh, whenever I got out of the military, I uh, was very involved in veteran suicide. Uh, and again, focusing on the chemical dependency part. And, um, but at the time I was just, uh, you know, helping guys out kind of one-on-one, that kind of deal, doing some speaking, that kind of stuff. Um, but really what I was doing to pay the bills was, uh, you know, working off my resume, you know, I was pistol carbine, 
sniper, CQB, uh, mainly with law enforcement, you know, for about five years. And, um, and uh, during that time, I was also uh, put together events to call them fun and guns for uh, uh, like YPO organization, different organizations that civilians can come and kind of have a military experience, some shooting. And, and we did a really tough one back in 2013. And one of the guys that was part of that course uh, was a guy named Josh Lannon, uh, who ended up becoming my partner, you know, uh, in Warrior's Heart. So that's kind of the the broad strokes as far as how we got to what would even be the idea of what became Warrior's Heart. Wow. I didn't realize that part of the story. So you guys are at this event and there's just some conversation that goes on and you guys realize that you guys are kind of going in the same direction with your Absolutely. Hearts. So, so with, uh, and the event was like a three day event and, uh, it was, it, it was impressive. I mean, a lot of physicality. I mean, so we really got to uh, see what the, uh, people that enrolled, there was about 12 of them, you know, what they were all about. Uh, and it, it was a great event, you know, but the funny thing is, is my only intention was I was trying to pay the bills. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make money. And then with Josh, his only intention was to, Hey, he loved, uh, uh, doing military type training, you know, he had done some SEAL stuff and then he came and, uh, and he had ours. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, two completely different goals, no intention of like, Hey, let's get together and come up with warrior chart. So, and that's what we've always seen whenever it comes to goals, you know, you pick out a goal and you start moving in that direction. And usually what you run into at a 90 degree angle is, is really the true purpose, you know? So, but you have to be in motion. So he was in motion to get training. I was in motion to make some money. Uh, so afterwards, you know, Josh and his wife, Lisa, at that time, they had successfully run high quality, high level of care, uh, drug and alcohol rehabs in Utah and Arizona. And, um, we met, you know, and afterwards it was kind of like, uh, step brothers, like, Hey, you want to go do karate in the garage? You're like, yeah, you know, so, <laughs> it's like, hey, I run rehabs, you know, and um, and we were at the time they were thinking of their seventh one, you know, was going to be for veterans only because we really got into the event. We did what we call a veteran experience or a warrior experience where uh, we tell a story, you know, where the kind of stories that we don't even really talk about amongst ourselves, you know, uh, to the community members with the intent of of like, hey, this is really what goes on. Like, yeah, you see all those pretty awards and they sound very heroic and they're very accurate. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. Yeah. You know, so one of those kind of stories. So it really opened them up, the whole group there of of like what the cost truly is uh, voluntarily, but still nonetheless a cost. Uh, you know, and a lot of guys are uh, engaging or moved at that point, like, well, what can I do? You yeah. know, uh, so that happened with uh, Josh and I and then. Summer of 2013, we flew uh, me and my wife and, and two boys out to Arizona to meet Josh and Lisa and their family to see if we'd be compatible because we knew what we were going to get into was was going to be really hard hard to do something that hadn't been done before for this population, you know. And uh, yeah. so we were compatible and uh, and we kind of just kept growing it along. 13, 14, 15, we. We actually found the property, and then uh, 2016 uh, is when we got our license, April of 2016, uh, and started treating guys and gals. And uh, what since then we've had a little over 2,800, you know, come through. So again, man, it's like uh, some Forrest Gump stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> now I want us to get into that and for yeah, folks, man. I know for folks in the military community, I mean, I've heard this from other people, uh, so I don't mean to uh to speak out of turn at all but like you have a reputation just like you in a, a good reputation for being a true operator within the special operators community that's what i've heard other people say at least can yeah. you maybe give a little bit of background for the listeners in case they don't know who tom spooner is what did you do in the army yeah absolutely so the um and I'm glad you heard good things. <laughs> That's all I've heard is good things. So, <laughs> the, um, so my I, I came into the army. The short version is I came into the army in 1990. Uh, I was 20 years old. Um, came into the 82nd, went right to the Gulf War. So that was my first experience being a civilian and going right to war. Uh, so that set the tone, you know, really good. Um, I spent five years uh, whenever I was in the 82nd. 
I loved it. Uh, it's from 1990 to 1995. And then from 96 to 2001, I was in 7th Special Forces Group uh, as an 18 Charlie, which is an engineer, um, working uh, Central and South America, all pre-9-11. Uh, then September of 2001, I went out to a selection out at the unit, uh, made it, and I was an operator uh, out in Delta from 2001, uh, the end of 2001 to uh, retired in 2011. I did one uh, deployment to Afghanistan. I did uh, 11 to Iraq and had 40 total months time in combat. Wow. Uh, So experienced a whole lot of that of uh, my military career. Um, At the end of my military career, um, I was pretty banged up. (laughs) You know, the normal, anybody that had, you know, done what I had done during that time frame, you know, uh, broken back, back surgery, uh, undiagnosed, untreated TBI, which was a significant thing going on. Uh, And then a lot of what I like to call unprocessed trauma, you know, PTS, moral grief and injury, those kind of things. And uh, so I ended up um, uh, retiring, medically retiring. I had 20 years, 10 months and 29 days. Not that I was counting, Uh, but, uh, (laughs) but I ended up doing that. And then, um, uh, Again, just on my full military piece of it, you know, um, I ended up, you know, suffering pretty greatly there at the end. The only reason why, in my opinion, the only reason why I didn't kill myself was because I wasn't struggling with the chemical dependencies. Because that's usually the trifecta between TBI, PTS, you know, and then self-medication, you know, is really what gets guys and gals there quick. I didn't have that piece because, like I said, I've been sober since 92. And, uh had an incredible family, incredible support group. Uh, so I started doing all the therapies, you know, I, I started attacking even at the end of my career because it was over for me and I really didn't want it to be over. I was, I'd planned on staying in for 30 years, man. I was a super lifer, you know what I mean? I, I loved anything and everything about the U S army, you know, and especially special operations that I got into. Um, but it was, uh, you know, between my body, I had broken back, back surgery, brain, I had a whole lot of things. So I ended up getting medically retired. But even in my transition before I got out, I already started seeking treatment, um, like in a TBI uh, rehab facility. Uh, I was getting cognitive therapy, vestibular therapy, psychological therapy. And I even had to get on some uh, meds for probably about eight months. Uh, the thing about it is, you know, that stuff works. Uh, yes. You know, in my experience and everyone that I know, um, that if you a- apply yourself to mental and emotional and spiritual uh, healing, help, training, whatever you want to call it, uh, man, you get a great results from it. Um, and so I did. So I, I started getting better because uh, I was really bad off there for for at least about a year, year and a half uh, where I didn't know where I was at times. Uh, you know, I had to put, it was before iPhones, so it had a GPS, but I'd have to put my address in the GPS to get home from work, big oh, wow. emotional swings, you know. But like I said, started getting those therapies, and then I attacked those therapies just like I did my military career. Like, hey, um, what can I do next? What school is next? What training is next? And because uh, I really wanted to be there for my family, you know, because the first, for the first time in my life, you know, my as I transitioned out of the army, you know, there weren't any more deployments. I was no longer in the army. Now my family actually could be my number one on the loyalty chain, you know, because prior to that, you know, I'm, I'm a realist guy, you know, I mean, the army came before my family, you yes. know, uh, it's a voluntary army. I volunteered to do it. Um, and it kind of would always hurt me saying it, but it was just the truth, you know, and, and the army came before my family. So whenever I got out, it was uh, just a heck of an opportunity uh, for one to take some of the burden off of my family. Number one, from not just being in the military, but also taking care of me as much. And uh, so the more healing I got, the less they had to help me. So uh, that was my motivation. That was a really long answer, Chris. I don't, I just kind of kept on going. I loved it, brother. You gave the background, right? And there were so many things that you said in there and a bunch of them jumped out at me. One of them was you modulated between two words, healing and training. Tell me Mm -hmm. what, tell me what that word you using the word training in reference to your, your healing process. What did you mean by that? 
Well, for me, it's uh, I really uh, just how my brain works uh, and how I was taught it. It started with the military and and then even in sobriety and everything. Uh, even going to the gym, it's like you know, uh, hey, I got to do the work. You know what I mean? So I, I got to do the training, whatever the training and that is, and then the bright the byproduct of the training, whether it's my physical health emotional, mental, all of that stuff, the healing and the healthiness is a byproduct of me doing the training and the work. Yeah. And most people, including myself, wanted it to be the other way around. Like I just wanted to do something easy and and get healthy, yeah. you know, but it's, it took a lot of hard work uh, to screw me up, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so just logic says it's going to take a lot of hard work to get me back to where I need to be. And and just for uh, for me to reconcile it in my head, I can those are just words that I can attack training a lot more stronger and more 100 percent than I can the word healing. Because uh, sometimes whenever you start mentioning healing, I start thinking of a bunch of hippie stuff. You know what I mean? Like, well, I'm not going to do any of that. And it's like, but I will do training. You know, and uh, so that's what comes up for me. And I'm glad you brought that up because we started, you know, because we're never going to change. Well, I'll just speak for me. I'm never going to change the stigmas. Right. There's always going to be an old guard. There's always and that's that's the way of life. But what we can do and what I can do is begin to change the narrative, you know, and uh, and changing the narrative is, is that, hey, I participate in training. Uh, if warrior's heart is a training course, right? Yes. How do I handle my emotions without using substances uh, and being emotionally and mentally and spiritually balanced? You know, that's training. Uh, just 100%. like if you had to teach me to shoot my pistol from 25 meters, that's going to be a lot of hard training, you know? And uh, yeah. <laughs> so that's what I mean by that, man. I, I, dig, I get excited about those words, you know, because they just for our population, I mean, it applies to everyone, but, you know, the the law enforcement, the military, the veterans, first responders, you know, we live in that, oh, I'm going to training. Training is good. It makes it better for me. It makes it better for the team and it makes for the better for the people that we serve. It, I just believe it's a more appropriate word. And when it came to training through all of my experiences, I wasn't looking for the quick fix. I was looking for quality training, starting with maybe classroom, going to uh, skills and drills, eventually getting up to scenario-based training, right? I, mean, I knew that. When I show up to training, I just know it's going to be hard work, but the byproduct is going to be something that I want. But I'm the same way. Whether it's my knee, I just want it to get better so I can run again. Whether yeah. whether it's my my post-traumatic stress injury, I just want it to get better so I don't have this these uncomfortable thoughts anymore, Right. right. Yeah, and and it and it doesn't and it doesn't. That was one of the greatest things that uh, therapists, you know, had told me whenever I started working with him. And he happened to be this Vietnam veteran, also who ended up becoming a psychologist, like crazy. But uh, he's uh, he's like, none of this is going away, man. That was so important for me to understand because I just wanted it all to go away. Yeah, I, you know, the intrusive thoughts, the all, you know, all those things that we know happen as a byproduct of the job that we volunteered for, you know, um, I just wanted it to be gone, you know, and whenever I drink and with folks that do medicate, that's what the medication does. It makes it go away temporarily. Yeah. Right. That's the problem with it. Cause it always comes back. But they told me, you know, he told me, it's like, man, none of this is going to go away. When I was like, well, what's the point then? You know? And it's like, well, the point is, is that uh, it's illogical to say it's going to go away because it was super impactful on your life. Uh, yeah. But what is logical is the intensity of it will go away and uh, and it won't be as controlling. It'll be just like how you get sad if you think about when your grandfather died. Yeah. Uh, like, so, I mean, just the logical approach and a training approach to healing of any sort to include, you know, going to the physical therapist, you know, for a shoulder surgery or something. It just, uh, I don't know, it fits for me and it excites me, obviously, because as soon as we started talking about it, you know, because I love to train. Like you said, I, it's going to be hard, but the results that I'm going to get, man, is going to take me to that next level. And then I can go and do even more training and then more, you know? I really think that's going to be a big key for this, to 
to reducing the stigma. I agree with you. I don't think we're going to get rid of it. I really felt like we'd been coming a long way. Yeah. And then recently I had an officer tell me that his chief uh, called uh, places like Warrior's Heart or Deer Hollow, the place I went, they call it sad camp. Mm. Oh my gosh, I was on fire. I was like, I'm going to write a police one article about this. I'm going to blow this guy up on my podcast. I thought, hold on a second. That's not the way I do business, right? I can attack someone or, or I can sit there and change the narrative and training is changing. Then it really recognizes that we aren't just playing with words. We're literally going to train you how to manage stress. We're literally going to train you how to navigate an injury so that even if the injury isn't completely gone, because for a lot of us, it's still going to linger on some level, you're, you're going to have more tools and more understanding and more ability to successfully navigate it with that injury. Absolutely, man. And that's what I get so excited about. Uh, I mean, obviously I get excited about everyone uh, that, I, that I can assist or that comes through Warrior's Heart. But man, when we have uh, guys and gals that are coming like from active duty or active law enforcement, active fire, active EMTs, when they can come to us and get that training, get them cleaned up, get them trained up and back into the fight, that is like the most hugest, you know, if you could wrap it all up, you know, it's wonderful anytime we can do it. But, you know, the organizations won't lose a, a, an incredible asset, whichever organization they come from, the individual is still going to retain that job that they're more than likely probably the top 10% in. Yeah. And, uh, and it's just a win for the families and everything. So it's, it's super exciting. And I believe it does show how we've moved the needle a little bit, you know what I mean? Whenever it comes to the stigmas and that kind of thing, where, you know, it, it's not as much of a death sentence, you know what I mean, to, uh, to receive help. And it's always, I mean, it's not just my opinion. I mean, it, it's way more difficult for law enforcement uh, and, and first responders to get the help because of the stigmas than in the military, you know, because yeah. of the liability and all of those kind of things. I've always just been amazed. I was always grateful for the amount of time uh, that I got to spend training with law enforcement, never did the job, but I, I mean, years and years I trained with them. So I'd hear all the stories and hear, I mean, we, we, we whine about the VA and what the VA does. Right. But law enforcement and first responders there, there's no VA, you know I mean? At least we have one, you know? So I don't know. That's why I've just always been so impressed, you know, with, with the first responders and, well, we really connect. I, I was interviewing uh, Tom Satterley, and he he made the comment to me that uh, that special operators and and law enforcement, although our jobs are different, our missions are different, our rules of engagement are different, our experiences are different, but our mindset is oftentimes very similar. The way we approach these professions, absolutely. And Tom was uh, one of my uh, OTC instructors whenever oh, I went through. He sure was. Man. Okay, I didn't know that. Very cool. Yeah, so I have a pretty good relationship with him. Yeah, incredible, incredible guy. But like like you were saying, and a lot of those, I think the thing for me that um, enabled me to connect even more with law enforcement than most uh, military former military guys was because of the units that I was in. A lot of times the ROE was the same. You know what I mean? Hey, you, yeah, you might be in. In, in war, but we had a different ROE at time, which was very restrictive at times. So, hey, you can't throw a grenade in there. Hey, you can't, you know, you know, so that's where, again, nothing like y'all have to do here stateside, but it gave me that window of like, okay, like to be able to approach it in that way, because the similarities are, are very strong. Yeah. Hey, let's get into what's special about Warriors Heart. There's a lot of mental health inpatient places around the country and not to diminish any of them, but like no. like you've kind of punctuated here, the first responder, the military community, we are different. And yeah. and really, you know, I like Doc Springer. She talks about uh, about tribe and how we, we kind of have a tribe and you're either in our tribe or you're not in our tribe. And so if you try to bring in a veteran active duty or a first responder into a setting with general population folks, great people who are also trying to heal, it isn't 
potentially going to go well. I mean, I'm, that's what I'm hearing. That was the reason for creating this first responder military only environment. So what's different? Yeah. So from the basic level, uh, like you said, if there's one thing that we know is super powerful in life is a, is a peer network, right? There's no pressure like peer pressure, right? Yeah. There's no power like peer power. So it's, um, so just from that aspect, like you said, if, uh, even though it's military first responders, um, even though there's a lot of it, there's a lot of differences in there, but the majority of it is the same because we've all been to an academy or basic training. We've all been to training. We've all been in these different situations. So it, so if you keep that population together, it, it immediately creates a, uh, an immediate peer network. Like, like you don't have to talk about um, mentorship. Right. Because that's just what we do. Yeah. Like if you're newer than a guy, you know what I mean? If you, you know, you've been there longer than someone just, Hey, you're going to go right in and help. You know what I mean? It's not things. There's certain things that we just do uh, as, as being servant leaders that we are, you know? So, so one of the main things is having that peer network. Um, And although like a a combat veteran uh, and a stateside paramedic, you know, they're, they're obviously very different physical experiences, but the things that are eating us up and everything are the same. Yes. Right. The innocence getting hurt, you know, it's the loss of loved ones and friends. So, so, so that's another binding factor, you know, and, and again, there's just so many similarities. So at Warriors Heart, that's why we kept the population the same, you know, that, like you said, it's not about being special or different. It's literally in order to create a peer network. Cause like you said, if it's a law enforcement, uh, you know, next to someone uh, that's a drug dealer, even though, like you said, we all got to learn and do the same thing. There's not going to be a peer network, you know, or if it's a combat combat veteran with a lawyer, you know, I mean, it, it may be a friendship, but there's not going to be that deeper twine. So yeah. that was the one piece of it that makes it, makes it different and so important. The next thing is, is, uh, is the environment, right? Cause we all know you hear it all like environment matters, right? If, yeah. if we were going to get, if we were getting our, you know, cut open, we we're going to have surgery, you know, everybody would be sterile environment, masks, every, you know, maybe because it's appropriate, you know, and, um, the thing is for majority of our population, you know, we don't heal well in hospitals, uh, you know, there's usually a moral grief and injury tied <laughs> to yeah. a hospital and some, whether from ourselves or buddies or that kind of stuff. So although very needed and thank God for them, you know, whenever it comes to this level of care that needs to be provided, you know, environment matters. So the hospital settings don't work. So worst heart is the opposite of that. I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I'm saying it's like a resort, you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's very open. It's very encompassing. Um, you know, and it has the wood shop, metal shop, art, lakes, everything that we need in an environment uh, that promotes healing, just the environment of itself. And um, can we just keep ripping through? Yeah, yeah, keep going. We come back to them. The other thing that makes it um, that makes it different is is that we're a dual diagnosis uh, treatment facility, meaning um, our primary diagnosis is self-medication or chemical dependency. So you have to be struggling because that's that's our primary license, right? It's dictated by our license. So primary uh, is chemical dependencies and secondary is PTS, moral grief and injury, mild TBI, you know, all the other alphabet soup stuff, you know, that comes with it. Yeah. So that at Warriors Heart, that's what we do. We you guys will get a clinical dependency counselor and they'll get a dual therapist, an LPC or or a social worker piece. And um and the thing is, is because we know that um you can't treat one without addressing the other, right? Is like, is it my chemical dependency that brings up the trauma, or is it my trauma that brings up the chemical dependency, chicken or the egg? It's like, well, hey how about if we just treat both of them, yes. you know, then we'll get to, then then who cares what came first and last we know. I mean, we're whole people, you know, yes. uh, a lot of places, like if I go over here to the, to, to treat my, my, my alcoholism, let's say for me, you know, they don't want to talk about that 
PTS and that war stuff. Hey, we're just going to focus on that. And it's like, well, okay, you know, and it's good. It's it's not by any means bad. Like I said, we never badmouth anyone. But the idea was doing it both, you know, and that's what we do here. And you had mentioned something too that um, with this population uh, and whenever it comes to treating like PTS and moral grief and injury, um, there's an approach that we use with this population. And that's that uh, we're volunteers, not victims. Oh, I like uh, this. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, because uh, even though a lot of the things we've experienced, happened to us you know we were victims to a situation but we volunteered to be on the job yes that put us in that situation so so the even though you know the the healing factors uh are all the same the approach is much different like if you came to me and approached me and began your treatment to me as a victim of pts i'm just going to get mad and walk out because i'm not a i'm I'm not a victim, but if you come and approach me, it's like, hey, Tom, you volunteered for this. This happened. Now let's start peeling that back and see see what it is, you know. And Because uh, we just, uh, we're not really good. Our population with people feeling sorry for us or giving us charity or pity, you no, know, it's actually because we're used to, the, we're usually the ones that are providing the, these things, Absolutely. you know, protection, yeah. care, uh, helpfulness, you know. And now that was one of the hardest things for me was being on the receiving end of it, you know, and it wasn't an, and it wasn't an ego thing for me. It wasn't, it wasn't that at all because I knew how to stay sober. I knew how to get help. You talk about it. You ask for help. So it wasn't that for me. The thing that happened was, is like, what happened? How did I go from jumping tall buildings in a single bound, you know, and being all of that to now I'm the guy that needs help. I just didn't, uh, it was, uh, it was, like I said, not an ego factor. It was, a, no. it was very confusing to me, you know, it's like, that's a good Man. way of saying it. Yeah. And when I, you know, and whenever I sat down with a professional or with a buddy, you know, and, and with the intent of like, Hey, let, let's do some healing. Let's start looking AAR in this, you know, just words that we understand and use. It's like, yeah, man, well, it was accumulation of things, you know what I mean? Yeah, I had a few significant events, but it was just an accumulation of a lot of trauma, uh, a lot of instances that happened, um, all of it, you know, until it finally, it became too much, you know, it's like that thing is like, it was fine until it wasn't fine anymore, you know, <laughs> and uh, but I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you said a few things there. First of all, folks, if you're questioning whether Warrior's Heart looks like a ski lodge or not, you can find it on Amazon. Get on there. They have a great documentary or you can just get on their website. And I'm telling you, I haven't been there in person, haven't been there in person, but I've, I've done my digging and it is very different than a traditional inpatient recovery place. And I'm just speaking from my own experience. So uh, absolutely beautiful setting. I think that's a huge start piece because like you said, we don't traditionally do good in the, in the sterile hospital environment. You need to cut out a piece of my body. Yes. I want to be in a sterile place, but short of that, uh, I want somewhere that I, I feel comfortable. I feel safe. I want somewhere that I feel safe. Um, and that's going to help me. There was something else that you were saying there in reference to, Oh, you were talking about help. Um, I, I responded out one time as a police officer to uh, a medical emergency. I got there before the paramedics and the, the patient was a nurse and uh, likely someone had spiked a drink. Like, right. Likely someone had spiked her drink is what I think was, was what had taken place. And she was very, very, uh, she was struggling when I showed up. I knew her and she was struggling because that's her job her job is to help people in medical emergency, right? And now she's the patient and that's hard. And I, I don't think it is a pride issue. I mean, granted, I guess it could be a pride issue for some people. Uh, for a lot of us, I don't think it's necessarily pride. Like you said, I think it's, it's this confusion of the time out. No, I'm the one that's supposed to be the helper. Right. And now I need help. And that's where I think we pause and go back to what we talked about before. Uh, let's just change the word. Uh, you need training. And we have some really good trainers that we call therapists 
or (laughs) or peers sometimes that can train you through this to help you get better. Absolutely, man. It's because that was, that was the part, you know, what got me when you were talking through that scenario, what got me through that portion of my scenario, exact same thing was another warrior, you know, was another good buddy of mine, you know, whenever I was, I was telling him what was going on and he would say like, Hey man, you need to get help. And I would push back on it. Like, you think so? You know I mean? I don't really think so because I just had so much of like, that can't be, that really can't be where we're at right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was, yeah. uh, it, because I've always been in, and like all of our types, I've always been able to figure it out. Like, just keep pushing. Don't give up. Like, just like you'll break through, you know what I mean? Like, just keep going, just keep going, you know? So it's kind of, and that methodology had worked, you know what I mean? Uh, throughout. And then you hit that, I hit that spot, you know, where it's like, you know, finally my buddy, you know, relentlessly on me. And it's like, yeah, man, you need to get help until I finally was like, you know what, man, you're right. You know? And it had to be one of us because I'm not going to listen to someone that, that, you know what I mean? I'm just not, I'm not going to, I'm not that good. I'm not that big of a man. (laughs) I mean, I can just be honest about that. It's, uh, It's not that I don't think it's trust. Here's the thing. With other warriors, you trust them. That's right? true, and that's what—that's what it is. I have to trust that you—that you understand, right? Yeah. And if—if if you are a warrior in a lot of these different categories, whether it be military service, first responder, then—then uh, then it's it's more likely that I'm going to trust you. I can trust a civilian. I can, but it's going to take a lot more time, and they're going to have to prove it to me. And it's not like I'm like coming with my arms crossed, prove it to me. I'm just telling you. It, it just is what it is. Like people that are, are from these other communities, I trust them more, like right off the shelf. And so the chances of them looking me in the eye and going, I get it. Yeah. I struggled with those type of calls. I struggled with that experience. And let me tell you about the training that I needed to get to get better. Right off the bat, I'm listening. No matter you what, no matter what yeah. they're about to say, I'm listening because I trust them. I, I had someone recently and the people that have reached out to me, so I'm, I'm only six months into my stuff right now. <laughs> right. And we you know we talked about this before hit and record. Uh, but, but just six months ago, I was not well. And, right. and I called someone, I called a warrior that I trusted and who had gone off to a recovery center. And he told me, just like your friend told you, Hey, you need to make the call right now. You need to call intake and talk to them right now and see when you can get a bed. And I was like, no, 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 no. I have a, I have a 25 year wedding anniversary. I have the family vacation. I got to do these things. He's like, nope, nope, not the bigger priority. Why did I listen to him? Why did I hang up the phone and call? It's because I I trusted him. He had been through this before me, right? He had gone somewhere and had healed his brain. And I was like, you know what? I'm not well right now. I got to, I got to trust this guy. Yeah. And you, and then it removes from the receiving end of it, you know, it, it removes all the excuses. Like if I have someone that I know that loves me and, and I trust and they're telling me what I need to do because they too have walked that path, it takes away all my excuses. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll just have to literally say no, you know what I mean? And that's just dumb. Uh, but yeah, but, but literally that's the other piece of it is, it's like, man, the only thing that this person wants is for me to have a wonderful life. My family to be happy, wants nothing from me and I'm going to tell him no, yeah. like that, that, you know, and that that's an extra level there. You know, I really look at it like in my parenting, uh, my kids, you know, when, when we're younger, it's hard for us to get feedback. It's, it's, it's harder. At least I'm going to speak for myself as a teenager, for me to listen to that parental advice and really to soak it all in. Cause at the time I'm like, eh, you don't really understand dad. Like that was a long <laughs> time ago that you, you know, were 16 or 17. And I've even seen it with my daughters. Uh, my adult daughters have both my adult daughters have gotten to the spot where they've gotten perspective. They've gone out there and done what they were going to do. It gave them maturity perspective. And they've come back to me and their mom and said, wow, we didn't realize what you guys were saying to us. We didn't understand the training you were trying to give us. Now we right. understand it, right? And and so as you can, as I continue in life, I want to surround myself with men and women that I trust, 
and that can tell me I'm being a knucklehead and, and give me some advice that's going to grab my attention because here's the deal. I ain't perfect. Right. Yeah. Like, and, and I'm going to continue to need training. I like that word. We're going to keep talking about that. I'm going to continue <laughs> to need training as a husband. I need to be trained. I need to understand how to be a better husband. Right. As, as a, uh, with my post-traumatic stress, I need to continue to get training in that as a dad. Uh, so I think that's just so huge is to have people in our life that speak truth into our life. Yeah, for, I'm just like you where it, it's a must have for me. You mean I must have strong uh, men in my life uh, to give me an example, uh, to be a peer and also to call me out on yeah. it. Because a lot of times, I mean, 99% of the time, if you ask me what, I, if you were to say, Tom, do you think what you're doing is right? It'll be yes. Yeah. Now that don't mean it's right. Because <laughs> you know, and then because uh, I'll have a plan, you know, I've thought about it, I had it mapped out. Here I'm going, and then a buddy of mine will be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" I'm like, well, "What do you mean?" I was like, "What do you think of this idea?" You know, and I tell them, and they're like, "Are you crazy?" You know, I'm like, "Uh, I maybe not a good idea." What do you mean? You know, and then they're like, "Well, what about this? What about this?" You know, the parts in me that I can't see the parts in a plan that I can't see, you know, without, you know, with just a fresh set of eyes on it. But like you were saying is I require, I, 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 I know me, my strengths and weaknesses. I don't do well without that team. I mean, I do okay. Right. I'm not going to go off the rails or anything like that, but I'm not going to be the best dad that I could be. I'm not going to be the best husband that I could be the best brother. Uh, I'm the kind of guy that I require a, a team and I love it. You know what I mean? I, I'm a team guy. I have been my whole military career and, uh, and I still am, you know, I just work better on teams. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, there's all kinds of sayings out there that goes into that with, you know, two heads are better than one, but I, that's what I experienced too. Uh, particularly when I was a member of our SWAT team. And then we have a street crimes team, criminal apprehension team that I was a part of. And, uh, it was the, it was what we brought together, right? All of our strengths that came together that, that allowed us to operate safely and effectively and none of us individually. I'd always point out that when you had one, uh, one SWAT team member show up, all you have is a dude with a gun. You, right. <laughs> you don't have, you don't have a SWAT team yet, right? You have two of them. Excellent. You got two dudes with guns. Right? <laughs> right. They, they don't train as, as a pair of two. Uh, they train as a team. And so you really have to have that full team showing up. Hey, I know for a lot of folks, there's still a lot of fear. I mean, the idea of going to inpatient, wow, mm. I'm going to be one of those guys. Let's, let's take away some of the, 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 the mystic stuff, right? Let's talk about what is it like? Someone is not doing well. Maybe they have thoughts of killing themselves. Maybe they don't want to kill themselves, but they're just having intrusive thoughts of it. Like the image of it's popping in their mind. They're having anxiety attacks. They can't sleep, whatever it might be that they're, they're, they're they're using alcohol to try to calm it down. And then they wake up the next day and pick it right back up. Obviously, what is it like if someone gets the courage, calls the number, it's going to be down in the, in the show notes, calls the number to warrior's heart. What happens next? So what happens? They, they make that call. Like we've all experienced the thousand pound phone, you know, <laughs> to finally make that call. And uh, whether it's the individual or a loved one calling for the individual, they're immediately going to talk to a warrior's heart admission advocate. The reason why we call them an admissions advocate is because from the moment they get on the phone with you, they are going to be advocating for you. Do we want guys and gals to come to warrior's heart? Of course. But if that's not what is best for the individual that's on the other end of the phone, our advocate, that's, that's their, 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 your advocate right now from yeah. that moment forward. Um, so that's a, a huge thing um, for me uh, and something that we're very proud of. You know, uh, they get on the phone with them. It'll be a normal. Any questions that they have, if the family has, um, you know, all the questions are answered uh, and they'll go through a little history, not like a full screening or anything, but they'll have a, a little conversation Make sure you meet criteria, and then they'll immediately go into into action as far as uh, how to get you in. You know what beds are available, when is available to you. So there's a process to it. There's the initial talk, uh, then there's an initial phone screening uh, to make sure because it's really important that we have the right level of care. 
that Warrior's Heart is the right level of care because yeah. we're not a higher level of care facility. And what I mean by that is we're not a facility uh, that is a lockdown uh, or hands-on. You know, we're we're an open facility. So that requires a, diff- a specific level of care, uh, which the majority of our population are in there. So then they move to a screening, they'll get screened, and then they'll move to a contract with a date of coming into Warrior's Heart. Uh, folks, some folks drive into Warrior's Heart. Uh, other folks uh, fly into San Antonio, and uh, and we pick them up from the airport and bring them out to Warrior's Heart. Uh, so then they get on. Uh, so that's that initial, which is usually the the hardest part. Is always at the beginning. Uh, I mean, it's hard throughout. Not gonna, you know, doing all the type of hard training we're talking about. You know, I mean, it's tough from the get go, and the acts of courage that it takes. You know, that's what I always say whenever it comes to this kind of stuff. You know, it, 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 I didn't have a lot of courage on the battlefield. I didn't need it because I was just good at it. You know what I mean? Like I was built for bullets and fights and, you know, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. The, the level of courage uh, that it takes to ask for help and then to go into motion, you know, and then, then arrive here at Warrior's Heart. Um, you know, that that's a huge acts of courage that's just riddled with anxiety, you know, and probably a panic attack along the way. And uh, it's a lot and a lot, of, a lot of fear. I mean, you're going into a new just from the logical perspective, you're going into an environment that you don't know anyone other than this person you had talked to on the phone who is on site also. But, uh, you know, and then so we bring them in. And, and uh, one of the first things that we do whenever uh, the first few days that guys and gals are at Warrior's Heart, anytime they meet a staff member, the first thing um, they're going to hear is, is welcome home. Mm. Because uh, it sounds a little bit cliche, uh, but it's not. Uh, because as, as you know, as I know, as though, even though we're physically here, mentally, emotionally, I'm not, Yeah, you know, I'm not where I'm at, you know, so we welcome them home. Uh, and then, um, you know, and then we begin the process. Of course, there's an inspection, you know, you got to go through your stuff, make sure folks aren't trying to bring anything in. Um, there's an orientation because we all need to know what our surroundings are. Hey, where's the gate? Where's this? You know I mean? Like, cause it just makes us feel more comfortable, you know, and, uh, and the staff that we have is absolutely, uh, incredible. Uh, you know, and then whether you go into, you need uh, de- some folks need to be detox. We have our own detox here in Texas on site. Um, and that can be from 24 hours to six days, depending on depending on the usage. And then you begin the 42 day training program, you know, where you get signed to clinicians, battle buddy uh, and start and start the training. You know, Yeah. Well, I, I totally what you were talking about when you said you know, on the battlefield, I didn't need courage. And I would totally agree with you, you know, out on the streets of America as a police officer responding to shots fired, anything else, uh, that, that wasn't the time that I was ever afraid or that it took courage. It was the, the courageous things where it was kissing my wife goodbye. When I, when I joined the military, when I deployed to Iraq, it was kissing my wife goodbye. That was the hard stuff for me. It was saying goodbye to the kids. Once I was on the plane, I was on mission. I have a job now, right? And and the folks that I'm with has have a job and we're focused on getting the job done. And it's not to say that there isn't fear sometimes. I think there were some moments of fear in my experience, but it wasn't this overwhelming. There was things to do, so let's go do it. It's making that call. It's booking that that airline ticket, both for the training, for, for I'm sorry, for deployments, but I'm talking about now for getting to Warrior's Heart. Man, making that call, that's probably a thousand pound phone, yes. And then, and then you realize, hey, they have a bed for me in three days. All I have to do is book a plane ticket. If I book a plane ticket, I'm there in, in, in 24 hours, in 72 hours, whatever the time frame is. But that's not easy. No. And you have to have the courage to say, you know what? I'm worth this. You know what? My family's worth this. I have given so much of myself in this job. And now it's time for me to go get the training that I need to, to deal with the consequence of the job. But, but then getting there, yes. Uh, once you get there, you fall into into the the, the job of training, and you and you start focusing and again, folks that, that are listening. I haven't been to Warrior's Heart, 
but I have a similar experience. And so I'm speaking from that experience and then from listening to other people talk about being at Warrior's Heart, both clients and staff. And all I've heard is the same thing. This, this family of people that are going to wrap around you and help you do the training so that you can get healed up. Yeah, man. And, and it's, and the training is initiative based training, right? Just like we did what I put into it is what I'm going to get out of it, you yeah. know? And, uh, and I can't overstate that enough, you know, and especially the cool thing at Warriors Heart, we, uh, you know, it's not just a get along and get by and graduate. Like it's hard. Like we have a mission file. We have tasks like, and if you, and if you choose to not participate, uh, you know, we have a process, obviously we're not a zero defect, you know what I mean? Treatment center, you know what I mean? But Hey, if you get three behavioral interventions, you know what I mean? Then you're going to get a board and then you'll get to put on a behavioral contract. And if you still refuse to participate in training, you'll be administratively discharged. And that should be. Yeah. Cause the people that are here, the majority of them, you know, want to change their lives. Yeah. You know, everybody is on a different part of their path. Right. Totally. And I always, and I always, uh, especially for our population go to is, is warrior's heart is like any hard military course. Right. Um, meaning, uh, some people show up, they get cleaned up, trained up, they're ready. Uh, they graduate, they're back in the fight. You know I mean? They continue on other people, fail a couple pieces of it you know what i mean maybe need some retraining you know and uh and but then they end up getting to standard also and then you have some folks that like they kind of weren't prepared to get they didn't really know what they were getting themselves into so they're not quite ready yet so that's we we meet everyone where they are Um, we have obviously a a program a curriculum you know a flow of everything that we're going to do and deliver but the big thing for us you mentioned safe, right? I forget what we we're talking about. It, for us, thing is like safety is uh, that feeling of safety comes from security. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's the that's the thing that we do. We provide a secure environment, uh, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally also. You know, uh, that produces the feel safe because only when I feel safe can I be vulnerable. And when I say vulnerable, I mean emotionally vulnerable. Not we won't ask anybody to be physically vulnerable. Yeah. yeah. And um but now that I can get into that space, now I can really do some healing because what we're trying to do is remind them of who they are. Not not who they're not, right? Cuz no one gets to rehab on an upswing, right? <laughs> no one's like, man, I'm just doing so great. I've always wanted to check out this 42-day inpatient treatment facility. That never happens, right? Never on any of our goals list was, man, I I can't wait till I go to rehab, you know? Like, not, not on mine, not on anyone's. No. So they come here at the lowest part of their lives, uh, or one of the lowest part of their lives, right? So... So the thing is, is that we remind them of who they are because they weren't always that way. You know, most of the folks that come through here are easily top 10 percenters of whatever profession they come from. Yeah. Uh, easy, you know, top 10 percenters. And, um, and so it's about getting rid of all this baggage. It's about getting rid of all this resentment, all this fear, all this shame yes. and guilt. So the whole thing that we're doing in the training is really just getting rid of shit we don't need, man. If it serves you, and that's what we tell, I mean, I'll tell guys today on property, you know, it's like, hey, man, if what you're doing is working for you, right on. Keep on getting. But if it's not working, then what do you say we try different technique? Yes. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's, and that's one of the biggest things because uh, back to the peer network, back to that because we don't run like a military camp by any means, but it has that same rhythm, you know, Chow's at zero seven or, you know, first meeting is at zero seven Chow's at zero seven thirty. Hey, yoga is eight thirty to nine thirty. Hey, 10 to 12 is class. You know what I mean? It's that same kind of rhythm that we've all been when we've been in a, an academy or training type environment, you know, so it's, it facilitates it, you know, when it's long days uh, it's, and it's a lot of tough work. I mean, it's, to me, for me, is the toughest of works. Like I said, when it comes on the job stuff, 
that's not hard, man. I mean, I, and I loved it, you know, but you want me to tell you about how I'm feeling or how I'm thinking or talk about something that's shameful or have me do all these exercises that make me uncomfortable, emotionally uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's hard work. And that's why we balance it with, a with gym time, you know, that we have here or going fishing or working in the art room or working in the metal shop or the wood shop or the canines, you know what I mean? It's because we have to have that balance of really hard work and then some depressurization times where I don't want to talk about my feelings anymore. I don't want to talk anymore. I just want to bang out a tomahawk from the forge. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so that we have to have that, that balance, you know, and, and the ideal for us is that obviously there's certain in, and we had talked about training before too, you know, where it's like, okay, there's many different ways for training, right? I can be self-taught, which is really painful and takes a long period of time. Like again, back to whether shooting a pistol or getting mental and emotional health, you know what I mean? Like there's some self-teaching that possibly could, but if I want to get better faster, uh, then I get an instructor, Yes, you know? It, it doesn't matter if it's a personal trainer in the gym. Like I'm going to nonlinear now get better than if it was just me on my own. Yeah. Now, if I want to up that game even more, I go to a schoolhouse, you know, or into an environment, you know what I mean? Where, Hey, I, this whole month or month and a half, all I'm going to focus on is these things. Then my level of results from that intensity of training is nonlinear to if I was just trying to do it on my own. And that's what was always so helpful for me with guys that were successful in helping me is they kept it at logic. You know, they, they didn't try to get all woo woo and, and voodoo and complexities. It's just back to good, hard, old fashioned training. Like, Hey, we're going to get together and we're going to work and it's going to suck at times. Yeah. Hey, you guys aren't just in San Antonio anymore. You guys opened up a second place on the East Coast, correct? Sure did. And on September the 11th, we had our soft opening. So it was really cool, obviously, date, uh, you know, as far as very tied together, you know, um, September the 11th, we had our soft opening and we had our first clients uh, in there on the 12th and 13th. Uh, right now we have a, and that's in a little town called Milford. Uh, Virginia is about an hour northeast of Richmond, uh, 45 minutes southwest of Frederick, southeast of Fredericksburg. It's uh, just south of Bowling Green. Okay. Uh, but it's a, um, yeah, we have about uh, 14 clients there right now. Uh, we're just building up our staff. It's a 60 bed facility. Obviously, it's a, it's the exact same vibe, exact same space, you know, exact same activities as Warriors Heart in Texas, in Bandera. Um, we're just getting it up and going. So, uh, we're just trying to get more staff. Yeah. I love yeah. It. So if there's any staff folks that would like to work for Warriors Heart and they're in that area, feel free to reach out with that also. Now, what are some of those jobs? I'm obviously mental health professionals, but what, what jobs other than mental health professionals might people be able to do at Warriors Heart? Well, the, the uh, some things that that we're looking at uh, is uh, nurse practitioners and PAs. So we have availability uh, for that aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, we have our chemical dependency counselors and our trauma counselors. We're always, you know, in need of those. Um, what other? Those are on the on our licensed professionals. That's what we would need. And then we all always need, uh, you know, just good folks to work in client relations uh, or in the maintenance shop or, uh, you know, in any of the other aspects that we do. So Love it's it. we put out uh, ads on Indeed, I think is the platform that we use and on LinkedIn and everything. But but here's another venue. I don't want to miss an opportunity to. <laughs> oh, that's why I wanted you on here. I want to open up people's awareness of the resources that are out there. That's here's the problem. I think in our communities is we, we suffer in silence. We, yep. because of shame, because of stigma, we don't talk about it. And, and to be honest, a lot of folks don't know what the resources are out there. So now that they're suffering and they're like, who should I call? And they don't know where to start. They certainly aren't going to call 911 because they don't want to be one of those people. 
Uh, some do some, some that's where they're at and they need that resource. And I love it when people got the courage to do it, but I'm just saying a lot of folks won't. So I want to broaden people's awareness of resources like warrior's heart that are available to them. Yeah. Cause, cause even searching a lot of times overwhelming, oh, I know yes. that was, that was a little bit of a, it was a, it was a big issue for me, especially cause of my, uh, traumatic brain injury piece, uh, my cognitive functioning, my brain, my decision-making wasn't working very well and I was easily overwhelmed with information. So when I was seeking, if I would start Google like veteran help, you know, or law enforcement uh, rehab or whatever kind of, all these things would pop up, you know? And so you have to do a little digging as far as to see who's credible and who's not. And, and that's what I love about with us, you know, we've had 28, a little over 2,800 warriors come through, you know? And uh, so there's a lot of testimonials out out there, you know, because uh, everybody always goes by the the reviews, right? <laughs> the reviews on the product. And so I'm going to tell you how great we are all day, every day, best thing going. But, you know, I mean, if you read some of the reviews, uh, there's some not good ones in there because not everyone is, is, like I said, everybody's at a different part of the path. So, totally. but I mean, you know, that's what I always say. Ask an end user, hey, what was your experience like at Warrior's Heart? Should I go? I mean, that's what I do. You know what I mean? Whether it was brain treatment, uh, different psychs guys were working with, uh, back to the trust factor. You know, I went to the people that I knew and I was like, hey, what do you think about, you know, this cognitive therapist? You know, like, oh, they're great. Or, yeah, stay away from that one, whatever, you know. So, yeah. but it's a big deal there because there's so much out there. that in itself is a little overwhelming at times. Well, and here's the problem right now is this has become a shiny thing. And anytime something becomes the shiny thing with the U S government, there's going to be dollars behind it. And so people are going to go after the money. And I am not, again, I'm not talking about any specific facility or, or therapist. I'm just saying when people realize the U S government's going to have some money to throw into it, all of a sudden a bunch of things get stood up. So I like what you said there about, Listen to the audience. And I like what you said about end user. Here's the deal. You send dudes or dudettes with PTSD or post-traumatic stress injury to a place. Some of us ain't going to like it. Some of us are going to get in fights and then we're going to get kicked out or we're going to leave and we're going to be like, that was a bunch of BS and I hate that place. Yep. Totally get it. Why? Because we all got some issues going on. So (laughs) asking the end user, hey, you graduated, you got through it. Were there highs and lows? Oh, absolutely. I almost punched my therapist in the face one day. Okay, well, you didn't. How did it end in the end? I really liked the guy. He was a pretty cool dude. He was just pushing my buttons, trying to get me to do better training so that I could heal, so I could get to where he or she knew I wanted to be. At least that was my experience. I didn't actually almost punch the therapist. I just kind of (laughs) wanted to a little bit. Hey, Tom, I want to respect your time. Uh, What are ways that people can stay connected to you or to Warrior's Heart just to hear about what's going on? Uh, the best way to stay connected would be uh, just go to warriorsheart.com. That's got the current phone number on there. It's got uh, articles. It's got reviews. It's who we are. It's got our staff on there. If you want to find out anything about Warrior's Heart, it's on that piece. You had mentioned the documentary. The documentary, I believe, is really good. Uh, it's a little dated now uh, because our growth has been so fast, but it's still really good information. And um, and and. The best thing to do if you if anyone is out there that has any questions, like call the number that's on the website and ask the questions to an advocate. Yeah. You know, even if it's not about coming to to Warrior's Heart, but like if it's for someone else or something like that, um, you know, that's what our admissions advocates are there for. Yeah. Hey, folks, LinkedIn and Instagram and all of the different things. And um, yeah, but it's always that human the human connection is always the best. Yeah. So all those links will be down in the show notes, folks, in reference to the website and the different social media channels. I really like what Tom said there, though, there is, here's the deal. When they, if you call the number, it isn't like they're going to put you on some watch list and, you know, start knocking on your door. They want to help you. They may not even be the right spot. They may refer you somewhere else. So here's the deal. If you aren't sure, but you think things aren't quite working right, right in, in our brains, make the call, speak for a friend. If you're watching on YouTube, you saw the air quotes, speak for a friend. Hey, I got a friend who's struggling. I want to talk to you about him and just make that connection with another human. Worst case scenario, 
is you're going to be healthier than you've ever been in your life after you choose to go and you and you come out and you're like, oh my gosh. Uh, best, that's worst case scenario. So I don't know what best case scenario would be. Even better, I guess. I don't know. Uh, now I'm starting to confuse myself. Uh, Tom, uh, I really appreciate you. Time is my greatest commodity. I can't make more of this stuff. And you've now twice given me over an hour of yours. Thank you, brother. Absolutely. You're welcome. And, uh, and thank you for having me. My pleasure. You're welcome. Have a great day. Thanks you too. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, what did you think about my conversation with Tom Spooner? I really appreciate his willingness to tell his story and, and then to see what he's doing to have a bigger impact, what he's doing post-military in his life now to continue to take care of the, the warriors that are out there taking care of the rest of us. Uh, hey folks, Jamie and I want to hear from you. How are we doing here on the podcast? There's a few different ways for you to communicate back to us. First and foremost, please follow us on whatever pod- podcast platform you're consuming this on. That will cause the next episode to come up. You can also rate and review us. There's five stars waiting on the main page of Apple and Spotify. So if you're listening on one of those platforms, Go to the our main page, find those five stars, and please give us a five star rating. If if we've earned five stars, folks, if we haven't earned five stars, keep your stars. Instead, shoot me an email at chris at gravityct.com. Let us know how we can make it better. Future marriage Monday topics or guests for me to interview, folks. We only get to live this life once. Let's go out and take care of the people in our tribe. Take care of each other. God bless. <laughs>